I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from London, England. And I'm Balash Renzi, coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Du bist erkältet. <laughs> yeah. I have a bit of a cold. Uh, last week, I took the bike to work every day, and I, even though I was uh, wearing my layers, probably... Did you have a scarf on? No, no, oh, but I had my helmet on. Oh, but the go. problem is, if you put the helmet on, you can't put the hat on. So, you know what I mean? Because I'm not doing the hats, like a hat and a helmet over that. I'm not, sorry, I'm not doing that. So, um, no. And, um, well, I guess, um, yeah, I mean, I was sick around Christmas. I guess I never fully got out of it. So I have a bit of a, bit of a, you know, running nose and coughing, the the usual stuff. But uh, I'll, hopefully I'll be back. I bought some uh, medication today, even though the, um, the, the, the guy at the um, pharmacy gave me the wrong one, but. Yeah, Did he give you Solbite? That's no, the answer to everything. No, no, because I, <laughs> no, I wanted to get this hot, this hot drink, you know, with the little um, Heisgetränke kind of thing. And okay. instead, he gave me the pills. But I'm like, wow, pills is fine. I just drink tea. It's all good. I guess I have a a radio voice now. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Uh, hello, my arm is falling off. Oh, here's some Solbite for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, apologies for the um, for the coughing from time to time. But um, no yeah. problem. Yeah. No problem. Thank you. So, um, yeah, we are. Um, we've listened to you. We've mm-hmm. got quite a few people who enjoy our banter. We've got some who don't. Here some people beginning. say they eat, they only come for the banter. Some people say they don't come because of the banter. So, well, you know, do the positives outweigh the negatives? Who knows? But mm-hmm. um, we're going to try to keep our banter to the first 10 minutes and then transition into the Hangelenks controller and then into the main topic. Sure. So, um, today we're going to talk about uh, three watches that each of us would grab if either the, you know, the house were burning down or... You know, you had to choose urgently three watches to escape some situation with, presuming all of them were together. Um, and our only rule is that they can, you know, we, we could exclude family or, um, you know, those types of watches like hand-me-down watches, because I think all of us would take those with, but maybe they aren't our most favorite watches. So it could be one of the three, but it doesn't have to be. How about that? So... Mm-hmm. Before we do that, I think you, Balash, have a little bit of um, non-watch-related content for us. So what do you got? Yeah, so somebody a, f- a few weeks ago, I don't know who, but you, I mean, I know who, but I, I, I'm not going to say the name, but you know who you are, sent me a, a book suggestion. And it's um, and this is something actually, to be honest, I wanted to buy this book uh, for you, Mike, but it's when I arrived, I bought one for myself. It's so big and it's so heavy that I'm not gonna. So you have to order it. It's Is it called, a dictionary? It almost, it looks like a dictionary. It's big, it's thick, it's heavy. It's called Sold Out, S-O-L-E-D Out, The Golden Age of Sneaker Advertising. And it's like a really big, really thick book full of um, vintage sneaker um, ads from magazines and billboards and stuff. Wow. Really, really cool stuff. Everything. Like what, what eras? Uh, oh, um, I think probably the seventies all the way until. Well, I don't even know where it ends. But a lot of stuff like. Um, Bottom line is Agassi, Bo Jackson, Agassi, Jordan. Bo Jackson, early Jordans. Yes, not not only Jordan, but of course uh, New Balance, Reebok, wow. um, Adidas. Chang. Really, a lot of stuff, wow. and and even beyond that, like vans, early early vans and stuff like that. It's a really cool. It's a it's like a fifty euros or equivalent in dollars or something. Um, it's a really really cool book. I I enjoyed it. It's like a, it's like a coffee table book, right? It's not really a lot of text in it. It's mostly pictures, 
but it's a great collection of of vintage magazine advertisement. As you can see in uh, um, if you if you Google it or like on Amazon, for example, seven hundred and twenty pages. So it's wow. really it's big. It's like an A. I guess it's bigger than an A4 size, but it's also thick. Really cool stuff, and it's um, I mean, kind of useless, right? Because why would you need a book like that? But also, why wouldn't you? Yeah. No, that sounds uh, sounds fun. Really. Yeah. Good. So. Thanks again for the for the suggestion. I, I really uh, enjoyed the book. I bought it a few weeks ago. Actually, I wanted to mention it a few weeks ago, but I I, I kept forgetting. Um, so that was that. And um, another thing, um, we sometimes talk about TV shows, and I just went through. Uh, maybe I'm late to the party. The first two seasons, or the well, I think there's only two seasons out of um, Gangs of London, which I think is like a two-year-old show started in 2021 2020 never heard of it super good show and um i think the third season is coming um soon hopefully because the last article i read was from last year end of last year 2023 november they talked about the new season and obviously the second season ends with uh with a, a bit of a cliffhanger so I cannot wait to see the third season. Remember the guy um, who was in Slow Horses, the, um, um, oh, what was his name? Um, um, in the, um, I'm looking at the, uh, when the, the when they go here. into the, um, when they go into this old uh, bunker where they keep all the documents or whatever. Yeah. And there's this tall black gentleman with them. And then he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say his his faith because I don't want to spoil it. But he's the main character in in this show, amongst yeah. other people. Also, the the youngest brother from Peaky Blinders. Oh uh, yeah, so I do recognize him. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think um, that's a good, as they say over here, good shout. That's on. Um, looks like it's on Sky over here. So I will try that. Really good show. Uh, a bit, um, well, aggressive from time to time. So. Um, maybe don't watch it with a kid, but, uh, but otherwise, um, um, very, very good British crime TV crime. Uh, it's a bit more than crime, I guess. I wouldn't, wouldn't call it a thriller, but it's definitely, you know, um, very exciting. Let's just put it this way. Really cool show. And, uh, and I've watched that and I watched uh, Godless on Netflix, which was this Western, okay. um, I think it's a one season, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's like a mini series. Also good also good so if you have i don't know if you have it in in the uk um, on netflix because i guess they the you know they differ from time to time but godless and um gangs of london and uh, now i'm gonna watch uh, start watching true detective because i think there's only one episode left they skipped last week because of the super bowl okay um and um and i think there's one episode left so i'm gonna just watch that did you watch um the Mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner? No, I have not, but I have it on my list. I've saved it on my list. So apparently a third season will come out. Um, Is it good? Yeah, we, we liked it. I mean, there are, like, I'm not giving away anything by saying this, but it's, like, amazing how much this guy, like, drives around this town in his car. And <laughs> it's like he's always, like, driving around somewhere. But, yeah, it's also pretty gritty and really just yeah i can't think of a better word than gritty honestly okay yeah i i saw good reviews so i it's on my list as well as i said so i'm probably a great actor so yeah Yeah, he is he is and even the snowplower can kill him so that's true (laughs) apparently he's pretty much bulletproof but um yeah i'm gonna watch true detective first as i said because of the probably also because of the the the, uh, maybe not the all-star weekend because this last weekend was super bowl right this weekend was all-star weekend um another lame show sadly for our all our basketball fans out there um that game stinks i'm sorry but for know, years now 400 years points now. i mean yeah i know years. nobody's gonna go play you know nobody's gonna go and uh you know play mega mega d on these games but um, well, they used to right in the fourth quarter just just do something but the problem is all the stars bench themselves around like halftime and then they will not come back so it's just um it's there so, is no competition anymore like it used to be so a lot of people complain about baseball how the fact um you know the um the winner of the all-star game gets home home uh field advantage for the world mm-hmm. series and I actually think it's kind of cool. Um, 
because let's be honest. I mean, the money's so big in these sports that nobody's going to mess around in an exhibition. It's like between the NBA, frankly, the NBA doesn't matter. They get paid anyway, but, um, They've got performance clauses. And then the NFL, I mean, the the all-pro game ought to be canceled. That's just dumb. Hmm. You know, who's going to go out there in a full-contact sport and risk there? Risk yeah, getting, yeah, getting cut for yeah. – uh, <laughs> For an exhibition game. Exactly. Now, I, I hear you and I saw some some posts as well on, on Instagram, um, some suggestions from Twitter and all, or X, whatever, and all those places, like how to shake things up. Because it, last year was, I mean, also last year was Utah, right? This year was Indiana. Like, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but those states are really not the, the, the you know, NBA heavy states or sports heavy states. Yeah. Um, but regardless, they said, states, yeah, yeah. But regardless, they, they, I mean, last year was really bad. And that was the last time they kind of picked the teams. And this year they're back to East and West. But again, um, there wasn't so, it wasn't such a good game. And so they, there was a lot of suggestions. And one of them actually was this, the home court advantage, like whichever team wins the yeah. the team that gets into the final from that, um, that uh, East or West should have home court advantage. Yeah. The NBA needs to do something because um, it's just getting, it's just really boring. I mean, also that the slam dunk contest was the same guy who won last year, but that dude doesn't even have a contract. He plays in the G League. So nice. anyways, enough well, of sports and enough of banters, right? Well, all I was going to say to tie it into a watch comment at 11 minutes and 18 seconds is that, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm not a basketball fan, but what's his name? Uh, Damian Lillard. That's, yes, Dollar uh, Dame. Tiso PRX is brutal. It's bad. Yeah, it looks really nice, huh? It's terrible. So, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the idea is great. Dame is the face of Tiso right now since uh, Tony Parker's out and he retired. I guess less is more is, um, is well, what I, they should have done. The watch, I guess, would be fine. I'm not a huge fan of the cursive D on the uh, counter counterweight of the uh, sweep seconds hand. I think that's hmm. just a little bit too, yeah, kind of cheesy. Um, but, you know, gold, or at least gold plated with a black dial, that's okay. But, yeah, the the... The, the counterweight hand, actually, I don't even really care about it too much. It just reminds me of like the Breitling with the B at the end that I never liked. I always thought that was cheesy with the mm. B and the anchor. And um, yeah, this reminds me of that. So, you know, and <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Tissot fan and, and, and so are you. And um, I've been to a couple of NBA games because of Tissot and I wrote the articles and all that stuff. So don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to. By the hand that feeds me. Isn't it Tissot, by the way? Tissot. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. But but I feel always Uh, feel some. No, the the S's are silent. It's (laughs) Tissot. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I also feel some type of way when when um, uh, when I see these guys signing these contracts, and not only Dame Lillard and Tissot, but also Brad Pitt and Breitling. I mean, Brad Pitt. Damien Lillard, they have all the money in the world, right? Yeah. It's clear that for them, it's just another bag. So on the one hand, I understand the notion from the brand side. but And by the way, Breitling also has Giannis Antetokounmpo on the, um, on the team. Yep. But on the other hand, and do Victoria you think that... Victoria Beckham now. Huh? Victoria Beckham. And Victoria... Well, yeah, exactly. Not Brad Pitt Who- anymore, buddy. And Sue and who is Victor? Yeah, not anymore. That's why he's wearing his uh, eighty thousand dollar two 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 Vacheron. So who is Victoria Beckham? A has been singer. Not. I don't want to dog Victoria Beckham. Don't get me wrong. But what has she achieved in the past twenty years, other than being Fashion. David Beckham's? Oh come on, please. Fashion. So in any case, I always, as I said, feel some type of way about this because as soon as the money's out and the contract's out, David. Oh, what's it? Um, Brad Pitt is back to his Vacheron. Yeah. No, I guess it's... David Beckham is kind of, he kind of looks genuine with Tudor. I don't think. I think he sticks the... to it pretty well. I yeah, mean, right. I but Victor Beckham Rolex, always but... wears a Nautilus, a gold Nautilus, or used to wear a gold Nautilus. So, hmm. But you know what I mean? Like, I understand it. I get it from the brand's point of view. 
but it's, yeah. it's good for the brand. I guess it's good for the brand image of the person, Dame Lillard, Victoria Beckham, I guess. By the way, I think her watch also has a cheesy counterweight too. I think it also I've seen does. The, I've seen the colors, but to be honest, I paid, paid no mind to the watch. Just, it was like gold with dark blue. That part I'm fine with. It was ooh, like so the, revolutionary. Um, <laughs> but I think it also has a counterweight to the hand, which is questionable. Hey, um, before we get into our main topic or the hang of lengths, um, we didn't even talk about that like 82,000 euro Piaget, Piaget. Polo 7 Day 9. Yeah, and for a reason. <laughs> Next, man, I, I was I was like duking it out with RJ. He's in love with that watch, and um, like it's fine. Yeah, it's I, fine. I, yeah, that's the right word. It's fine. And and then I find it really funny. So there's like some notable influencers out there who, um, you know, have been telling everybody to to calm down and not get so excited about the fact that it's using like an Edocron escapement and has no anglage on the uh, plates, you know, that it's, you know, that that's like, you know, group think to complain about such things and you wouldn't have the money anyway. Well, guess what? I'm sorry for 82 grand Piaget do better. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Doing I mean, on better. the one hand, I understand what they're saying, but on the other end, right. When the price tag is so high, just make the best you can. Make the best you can. A lot of money. And I have to say, I I'm I have no problem with the watch. I just don't like the 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 style. Don't like the design. It's just not my design. But that's it. It doesn't, you know, make it less attractive or or worse or or better. It's just it's not not my style. I have a lot of vintage Piagets that I do like. The, oh, you the, own a lot of them now? No, 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 no. I do have like I, I, I saw them. I saved a few that I do like because I, I'm, I'm still, still trying to prepare for the, for the seventies Piaget episode. So I do have a lot that I, that I saved that I quite like. But this one I just don't like. I think it, the watch looked silly back then. It looks silly now, and it has nothing to do with the price tag. But yeah, for eighty-two thousand, too better. Yeah, too better. The, the, yeah, I would get the VC all day long. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, two, two, two. For, yeah, absolutely. The, the the Piaget, so here again, growing up in South Florida, there's like, there's cool stuff from back in that period, like late 70s and early 80s. And then there's like cheesy stuff that has become kind of so ironic that it's cool. That's that watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the cool part to me is fleeting. Like, would I maybe enjoy one because I'm sure it's kind of neatly put together and it was okay. Somebody designed it. Yeah, maybe, but it was like such a cliche dirt ball watch back in the day. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, but any 80,000 euro watch should be well put together and, you know, should be something yeah, that people can enjoy. Right. But I'm talking about the originals. I mean, yeah, I can't okay. imagine how many of those, you know, got splattered all over the street during some sort of a, cocaine related shootout you know so but anyhow, yeah. yeah i hear you i hear you in the uh in the front seat of a uh uh a medium brown uh 380 sl with tan interior so i want to know? say an sl or an sel yeah could be or a lorenzer lorenzer benz <laughs> <laughs> with the big heavy wheels heavy rims Jag XJS. I mean, all the all those um, like gas hog convertibles from that period, you know. Oh yeah, so. Alpine BMWs. Well, which Piaget, no, I want to say which Piaget are you wearing then? <laughs> I'm I'm not. Um, <laughs> I am today wearing my um, uh, Movado Curva Plan. Um, yeah, so. This watch dates to the um, the 1930s, I believe, and it's got an incredibly long case. I would bet you it's banging up against 39 or 40, um, if not more. Stainless steel, so it is a kind of a rectangular-shaped watch, but heavily curved. So much like the Gruen Curvex, this was one that was built to sort of follow the curve of your wrist, but... I fell in love with this after seeing um, 
one on the on the wrist of my buddy Lawrence here and kind of went looking for one. There were a couple for sale out there and then one popped up that was more reasonable and in decent condition in the Netherlands. So I um, had a discussion with the seller and ultimately came to a deal and it arrived a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago. And yeah, it's a neat watch. Really nice. Yeah, a very long case. Eh? Interesting numerals. I like the, the font of the numbers. I kind of Art Deco-ish. Well, of course it's Art Deco because it's yeah. from the, that era. I like the eight. <clears throat> looks like a, like a, um, God, what's the, um, Hourglass. Hourglass. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Looks I'm like a bit of an hour. Right now, and I'm like, hmm, what could he be thinking of? Hourglass, yeah, like an hourglass, yeah. It's very cool. It's very, very, what, what, is it like a, a round movement inside or a, a rectangle movement? No, or? it's rectangular. It actually is curved to fit the case. So, oh, cool. Yeah. This and the, like I say, the Gruen had, had pretty neat pieces or movements, whereas, like you said, a lot of them have these little miniature round movements inside that are... Um, they're fine, but obviously you like the extra work that they went to here. So. Yeah, and it is blued steel hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful watch, actually. Quite nice. I like it, um, and I like it on the bra- um, I mean, on the strap too. Yeah, thanks. And Lawrence gave me a uh, beads of rice from Private Eyes in Japan, and uh, I need to remove a link or two. But that that also looks really good with it as well. Um, and probably Lawrence needs to add those uh, links yeah he, to his. he was um he was needs to buy two of, right yeah <laughs> <laughs> make them one long <laughs> yeah so for anyhow, those of you who who want who, who, who gonna say that we sound elitist the inner the the inside joke is that lawrence is a big guy yeah, yeah. before anybody calls us elitists again he's just a big dude yep um but yeah these um Squarey or rectangular watches from that period are kind of a little bit of a fascination for me right now. Something new to discover, let's say. Yeah, very cool. I like the the SEMA better. I have to say, for whatever reason, I like that that kind of. Um, well, I haven't seen them in real life, right? In the metal, Tell but have um, you SEMA? Sorry, but, what was that? <laughs> SEMA got the keys to my Vima. Um <laughs> but I like the SEMA better. Uh, just in, in, in pictures, but I, I have to check them out. Um, probably, uh, yeah, probably April. I'm not going to be there before then, but yeah, um, they're, they're the Movado would fit you better because it's definitely bigger. But mm. uh, the SEMA is is a pretty pretty sweet piece as well. But um, yeah, they're like the same but different. So mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see when I come over. What about you? So I was wearing the, um, I was at uh, Zen on Friday, so I wore the only Zen that I have, and that's the Zen Excelsior Park. Um, and so I, I took that out of the box, and that's the one I was wearing over the weekend as well when I was out um, medicine shopping. <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. I mean, I don't want to, a friend of mine is a, is a Zen dealer, so he was invited for his yearly you know, meet up and... Does that mean he sells cigarettes and alcohol? Do you get it? <laughs> no. Sin dealer? N- no, 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 no. And sin uh, concessionaire and uh, authorized dealer and the only one in, in Hungary, actually. And um, and so he went and I, I visited, but he's he knows the, the people connected to sales. And of course, I know the people, or we know the people from, from marketing and PR and uh, um, but Volker was in the office, so I met with him, and we had a nice chat. Did you pick so, a fight with him? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, if Florence is a big guy, then exactly. then Volker's. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, he's always like posting those, like uh, what are those, like laying down forty-five degree squats, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a big dude, and he's yeah. a muscular dude. So no, no, absolutely not. But he's like just the the nicest, sweetest guy, and uh, we always have a good conversation about vintage and stuff. And I we 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 know we reminisce a lot about Basel times when you and I <clears throat> were kind of the tag team to go to most of the brands together, and including Sin. And um, 
and I saw some of the pieces again for the first time since Basel back then. I'm talking 15, 16, 17, right? So it was a great, it, and I've never been to the to the to the to the headquarters. You have, I guess, nice. a few times. Yeah. So yeah, so it was my first time, and I, I really enjoyed it. I like the store that they have all the watches. Like in in again Basel world, they had every watch in the in the booth, and same in the store. Like pretty much everything you can order. And well, when it comes to sin, you can really order a lot of stuff, a lot of models, a lot of bracelets, straps, and everything. So it was a great great meeting, um, and. Great morning, actually, we were there until after, like, noonish, And so I took my Excelsior Proxy in, which they quite liked. Nice. And um, so that's the watch that I was wearing, and that's the watch that's still with me. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 103, by the way, this retro hand-wind piece has obviously gotten all the um, the press. What were your impressions for the uh, the listeners out there? Yeah, so I think it's a really cool piece. I like the fact that uh, that it's a bit different than than the others. Um, you know, it's a bit more colorful than than the uh, I guess that you usually see from from Sin. Also, it's a hand wound. It's a silly to hand wound movement, which uh, which I think is 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 pretty pretty nice. Um, I mean, I I sent you some messages and I and I told you that I I, I like it quite a lot. Um, I also saw another one. Uh, the um, it was a one that was also one of three that that was a cooperation between Sin and uh, Armband One Magazine, so Peter Brown stuff. Um, I quite like that too, but that was a bit too modern for me. It has like a um, a um, ceramic bezel, and the ceramic bezel was super shiny, and I'm not really a fan of shiny bezels. So if I could choose between that uh, one of three or this one, I definitely go this one, and actually. From the whole lineup, I mean the whole the, the whole as I said, sin lineup is huge, and my favorite model <clears throat> is the one hundred three, and this one is really up there. It's also limited edition of thousand pieces, if I'm not fifteen hundred, I forget or that if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so um, yeah, you know, once it's gone, it's gone, kind of thing. But I like that the the panda dial the red um you know little um accents here and there the red chronograph hand i mean it's a hand one salita as i said inside so it's nothing fancy but it's uh it's just a great movement and the you're right thousand units yeah yeah and the price is two six two 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 five something two six um exactly in euros so i think that's a great price Uh, overall it's a cool watch I liked it. That was my favorite. I like the oil filled ones, but of course they're of course they're quartz. I like those. I really like the oil filled uh, pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're also super nice, but they're obviously much more sporty and for a different audience and different purpose than than the one hundred three. So, think, being the vintage guy, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm all for the one hundred three. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I I own that sin <clears throat> tacky. Uh, chrono that they did with Manufactum, and it's also a 103 with a um, well, it's got a, a man, uh, automatic 7750 base movement, but it has a acrylic crystal. And a lot of people were kind of complaining about the 14.8 millimeter thickness, but that it's a very highly domed uh, crystal, and yeah, I mean it's not the slimmest watch, but they wear really nicely. Um, it's basically a pretty similar case to the Ottavia from, you know, the oh, yeah. early seventies, late late sixties. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it, as I said, for someone like me who's got a bigger wrist, it's a great watch, great size. I, I really liked it. Yeah, I think it's cool. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, now we get into our main topic of the three watches that you would um, grab in, in an emergency. And again, we are um, putting aside any family heirloom watches so you don't have to pick those. Um, they're safe if you don't pick them. And um, I guess I'll kick it off here because... You were just talking about your hand links. So the first one I'm going to choose is, is probably going to be a surprise, but it's long been one of my favorite watches and um, it needs a service. But uh, 
my one of my favorite watches is the uh, 1960s Breitling 765 Copilot. So this is known as the, um, well, I guess it's known as, who the heck is that skier? That um, Kili. Jean-Claude Kili. Yep. So apparently he famously wore one of these during uh, the Grenoble Olympics. Probably saying Grenoble wrong, but. Um, Another pandadial chronograph, by the way. Yeah, you're right. Another pandadial chronograph. So known as the uh, 765CP, and um, yeah, this is just a, a chronograph that I absolutely love. It, um, it It's big, so it's about 41 and a half millimeters, and the bezel overhangs that a little bit. 47 millimeter lug to lug with uh, 22 millimeter lug width, and they made it from 65 to 67. Um, very nicely, Breitling made a modern version of this, uh, although a very faithful version of this just a couple of years ago. Um, they're, they're available for pretty good uh, prices. These watches have come down a bit, but they're still not cheap. I'd say they're probably eight, 9,000 or something like that. Um, but I love the simplicity of the dial. <clears throat> I like the I like the size, even though I tend towards smaller watches. And I just think it's, um, when I got it, I was collecting a lot of chronographs with rotating bezels. And for whatever reason, this is the one that just hit me, uh, hit me the most. It's, um, it's just one of my favorite watches. No, it's a, no, I don't understand why it's a nice watch. It's a great size. <clears throat> Obviously looks very late 60s early 70s like the the oyers and 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 all that other stuff maybe not a not omegas because obviously they they didn't have a panda back then and we did with the speedy tuesday one which is also very similar to this one if you will but i guess that's like the quintessential 60s late 60s early 70s uh chronograph look right black dial white sub dials 369 uh rotating black bezel so it's a um, it's a great choice and um, and it's also a great brand, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And I still think like, you know, Breitling had its little bit of time in the sun when Kern came back. And of course, Fred has been um, vocal about the history and things like that. But, you know, Breitling, I still think, and, and some of it's just due to the size or maybe their lack of waterproofing or whatnot, but it's hard to find decent vintage Breitlings uh, compared mm. to some other brands. So you don't see them that often, um, which is why when I found it on eBay <clears throat> years ago, it was just such a, yeah, it was 2015 when I bought it. It was just such a, a lucky thing. And I pulled the trigger right away and just love that watch ever since. So yeah, that, that would be, that would be one that I would, I would definitely grab um if the roof was coming down very cool well my first would be another is also chronograph it would be the, the 215 angelus with the le on obviously on the case back um it's a much different well not really both that pilots different. uh chronographs yeah but both yeah it's a bit smaller than yours i guess at 37 steel case pump pusher so in this sense similar but but it's a it's a two sub register chronograph all black dial um with a 215 in-house angelus caliber inside it's just um yeah it was um it was the first first angelus that i've ever bought it was the one that started me on this um on this journey of collecting and and um, writing about Angelus, um, researching obviously, and I love and hate the watch. Hate it because uh, I ended up buying so many other stuff in the meantime: clocks and travel clocks and wall clocks and things like that. Um, but I, at one point, it it was really um, um, I, I, I I look back to this phase. It's 2015 until let's say 2018, 19, where I was really heavy collecting that stuff, researching, writing it up, and still a lot of that stuff that I have have researched, um, I haven't been able. Well, I haven't been able. I was lazy, or I had other things to do. But 
I haven't written the articles. Of course, we've we've done um, not me, but I've helped writing the the collector's guide, and I've written the um, 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 military watch guide that's written by me. Right? Um, both you can find both articles on Fratello or or the, uh, it's a PDF that you can download. So there's a lot of memories and a lot of friendships actually. I've I've kind of forged around around the brand and around these watches. Funnily enough, um, as a side note, um, I did last end of last year. I did this this episode with Bosco from um, from um, Canada, and Bosco was the guy who has the um, Zenith Excelsior Park Yugoslavian Air Force watch. He wrote the, the the collector's guide, which he also published, right? And um, he also has two Angelus. Um, Chronodatalux watches. And I think that's how the connection came. Like he messaged me about those watches and then we started talking about other stuff and the Excelsior Park Zenith came up, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think we mentioned this in the in the podcast and also in the article. Next month, he's going to come to Europe and we are going to meet, hopefully for a day. He's going to take the train, come down to um, to Karlsruhe. We're going to spend the day here. So may, I'll try to, to um, um, report on that or maybe record a quick... Oh, quick, that'd be great. Uh, update. So you know these are the things that that I mean when I when I say that friendships and 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 acquaintances kind of come into my life through through watches and and the two fifteen was definitely one of those watches. So I have a few, but if I had to grab the one from the Angelus collection, probably that one. That's the first one. Well, that's a great choice. And thank you. <clears throat> you know that it's a great thing you bring up about the uh, connections and the friendships. I mean. Obviously, when you think Breitling, you think of, of Fred and um, I think may have even been on that trip, but I met him in person for the first time. And it just so happened that as I was leaving, that I found that watch uh, while I was sitting in the lounge on eBay and um, it was in the U.S. But yeah, it does does bring me back um, to that time. I think the night before I drank too much wine at a steak place downtown in Vienna. so I still remember the hangover <laughs> and uh i know who i was at dinner with a buddy of mine so yeah it's um it's funny no matter how many watches you go through sometimes they bring back memories of time and place and and people right oh yeah not to mention that the the, the lounge is the best place to have a hangover because you get free beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep and dirty looks so. Well, well, if you're in a German slash Austrian lounge, you get the dirty looks anyways. So that's true. Might as well earn them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I love, by the way, you don't have those little glasses for like soft drinks, like those little tiny thin glasses. Oh yeah. I love when people take and you know which people I'm not going to say take the big beer glasses and fill them up with Coke because I'm not going to take two trips back and forth between the machine. I'm just going to use a beer glass. Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I fill those with water because I don't want to take two trips. Well, there you go. That, that's why you have the dirty looks. <laughs> so what are you looking at? Uh, at this at, at, Second uh, watch. Second watch on the list now. Well, my second watch is, this is going to come up at some point, but it is most certainly the uh, Patek Philippe 570 Calatrava. If uh, the house is on fire and the dial and the uh, crystal hasn't melted, um, it's it's coming with me. Uh, yeah, I think part of my, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily put a whole lot of thought into the choices in terms of choosing three different watches that are like three different kinds of watch, but um, obviously, you know, something defined as a dress watch or a more simplistic watch this would this certainly fits the bill but mm-hmm. yeah that this would this would definitely come with me because i can't think of too many other watches and i always say aside from the fact that it's not water resistant that i would be happy to live with as a as an as a sole watch and uh this would be one so yeah the call of travel would come with me yeah, I mean this is a this is a given, right? It's a it's a quintessential dress watch. It's a it's a very understated piece. It's not gold. I mean, yellow gold. So it's not too, <clears throat> I guess, loud. Yeah. yeah, if you if you want to, um, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's next to the chronograph, next to the big black 
chronograph uh, a slimmer, thinner, smaller, um, not so flashy, time only dress watch is a is a great choice. I haven't picked them like that, um, but but I see why, and uh, it's not the only reason. I guess you picked it, so I, I, I think it's. It's great um, that you have these two in the, in the list. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what the third one is, but but I, I love that Patek, so it, it's a great choice. Yeah, I mean, again, um, yeah, thanks. I think just came down to boy, if I had to get rid of all the the others and <clears throat> something that would generally be a go to pick on most days, um, that one fits the bill and and. Yeah, I know I've talked about it a lot recently, so there's really just not much more to say about it. But um, yeah, so what about yourself with your second pick? So, well, obviously I had to go Speedmaster. And uh, again, I I have quite a few to choose from, thank God. But oh, sorry, thanks God. But uh, I chose the Transitional, which was uh, not my first vintage, but what the one vintage Speedmaster that I have the longest and um, I've written an article about this as well for Fratello, uh, the emotional connection I have to this watch. It's not my nicest vintage Speedmaster. The 321 is nicer. Um, the 105.012, and this is 105.022, but this was made in 68, sold in 69, February in the US. Um, so it's it's a real moon watch or moon landing year watch. Um, and a real transitional because it really does look like a 321 or an 861. You know the story. Um, and so I've for for the for a long time this was a watch that I took with me um, to a lot of trips, but not only to trips, but also when something uh, memorable happened in my life. Um, this watch was with me. I think it was with me in every Basel. It was with me around the world. It was with me, you know, family stuff. I want to get into the details. I guess you guys know what I'm talking about. So I really put an effort into taking this watch. I don't do that anymore. Um, why? Because I have moved on and because um, I just, yeah, I guess shifted my focus. But um, but but if, if, um, if I really had to grab one, I need to grab a Speedmaster, and if if I have to grab a Speedmaster, it has to be this one, because this, yeah, as I said, I've had the longest. I have a lot of memories to it, and from really all the way around the world, and people that are not in my life anymore. Uh, sadly, uh, I I was around them when I was wearing this watch, and I have fond memories of that. So, um, as somebody from Fratello, of course, you have to have a, an Omega and, and and hopefully a Speedmaster, or or at least that's what I think. But again, I did not pick them as as um, um, diver chronograph, uh, time only, et cetera, et cetera. It's just happened this way. I know it's very similar to the 215. Um, 215 could be a dress watch or a dressier option. This could be a an everyday option. Um, so it's the it's the 105, uh, 145, sorry, or 22 transitional. So if I had had to put money on it, <clears throat> this was one of the one of the two watches that I would have guessed for you, and I'll we'll see if I'm right on the next one. I you're think right. I am. I can tell you you're right. But um, this watch is probably the one that I associate with you most. I mean, I know it's your most favorite watch to do strap reviews with uh, because it looks good on just about anything. I think. Anything but maybe polished alligator or crocodile. <laughs> yeah, but polished alligator looks good on nothing, sadly. Yeah, and, and even then, probably some people would pair it with that. But um, uh, and if they like it, you know, I'm I'm fine. I, it's not my thing anymore. Never yeah. was. But um, what I remember about this watch was visiting you um, in Karlsruhe, and we went to some sort of like sprawling restaurant downtown and um upstairs yeah we were sitting upstairs yeah it burnt down <laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh wow <laughs> wow that's ironic isn't it last we're year. talking about a <laughs> watches in the fire burnt wow. down last year true story wow <laughs> i think they're renovating it i think they're gonna reopen it but <laughs> holy cow well and it was a lot of wood there you don't remember that yeah, there was a lot of wood um yeah. And what I recall is you were wearing this this watch on a Mexican Holzer bracelet, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 
Yes. Yeah, and I true. love that bracelet. And I, um, I was always kind of like looking out for one and just never really buckled down and went after one, but I really dug that bracelet. Yeah. I actually don't even know what that bracelet is. Did I sell it? Listen I you. still so have ca- it. So casual. I don't even know where that bracelet is. I don't, is. yeah. Cause I don't wear them. I don't wear the speedies. You know what? The only, the only bracelet I wear the, the vintage speedies on is the flat link, uh, Forstner bracelet. Yeah. I don't, I, um, sometimes the, um, the, the JB champion, but I don't wear them on the 1171 or, or any of those. Maybe no, I sold it. I, I, yeah. Or yeah, but I, yes, you're right. Yeah. It was, it was, um, it, stuck yeah, in your I, couch cushions, maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> no, but, uh, I remember the, I remember that. And I, I almost even remember where we sat. That was, a it was like a schnitzel place. Uh, yeah, that's we right. Would, Cause we went for a schnitzel. We would, we would go for a schnitzel. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, as I said, this is, I guess, um, it's, it's always, out so you know you and i and everybody in this hobby hopefully you, you we keep our watches safe in in a safe or in a bank or whatever this is a watch that is usually at home somewhere near me mm, this is kind of a um, um kind of an unconscious thing i guess or maybe it's a conscious thing i don't but no, i don't really think it is it's just yeah i liked it to be around and i don't really pick it up too often, but but I do from time to time. That's also the one that I usually wear on those camouflage ripstop straps that every time oh, I wear it, people yeah. ask me where I got them from. GLC. There you go. There you go. So no, what's the last a- one on that uh, versatile wrist of yours? Or list, wrist, list. <laughs> well, the wrist list. wrist list. There you go. Um, well, you know, I've struggled with this one, but they say... You should go with your gut, and I don't know who they are, but I started writing down, and I went with this watch instead of what most people would assume would have been my natural pick. So most people would have thought I would have picked my Rolex Explorer 14270. I would have said that. Yeah, and I and I wonder if I can like technically call that like a family watch because I bought it for myself, <laughs> like every other watch. But um, you should be a lawyer. That's the yeah, loophole. That is a loophole. No, I mean it's very very tempting, and the reality is that that's about as perfect a watch as I can think of. Um, then I thought about my blue Datejust sixteen hundred because I absolutely love that watch, and I ultimately. Well, I didn't ultimately because I wrote it down first, but I, I, I questioned my decision, but I don't think I questioned my decision. My favorite Rolex that I own is my 1665 Great White. I just love that watch. Well, there's nothing wrong about that one. Yeah, but it's it's sort of like a, you know, the great, the, the Sea Dweller is always a um, kind of like an afterthought, you know? It's always like this sort of like um, niche pick, and I think I like it because it's different and it's it's not I don't want to say justice of mirror, but it's like a little bit different. And gosh, I really love that massively domed tropic crystal, and the loom on it is just gone perfectly pumpkin, and the case is perfect, like you know, worn but not at all polished and. It's just such a great watch. Uh, it is. It something, is. Something about it. Yeah. <clears throat> I think if you look at vintage um, date subs, right? Or, well, okay, it's a sea dweller, not a sub technically. But um, let's call it a sub or divers. Um, better. I, I, if you look at that, the 1680 and the 1665 um, are my two picks. Um Maybe the sixteen sixty five is more interesting because I guess it's it's well the sixteen eighty is not as rare as the sixteen sixty five right correct so that that would make it even more special um this is not the watch i i I thought you're gonna go with the explorer because I know you wear that a lot this one maybe not so much I know you had that phase a few years ago I guess when um wait while you were still here and mm, probably maybe after Basel, right? And you had it um, serviced or something and then you, you wore it for a while. But um, but I can definitely tell, you know, or understand why you picked that. 
And um, yeah, as I said, if 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 you want to go date vintage sub sixteen sixty five is definitely up there. So so and and yours is a beautiful example. As far as I know, we don't have to get into the details. I think there's a great story behind it. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, not that great. It was a one-owner watch and um, out of France, weirdly. And, um, but yeah, I just, I looked down at it and like everything from the, the fact that the bezel is thicker, the case, obviously, mm. and. No and Cyclops. Yeah, no Cyclops, original crystal, and it's got this really, really comfy, solid link bracelet that is, you know, got a little bit of dangle to it. And I think just the fact that the the case isn't polished, you know, finding a good one when you can literally go on Chrono 24 and can can look at all of them for sale and probably find something that has been changed, you know, uh, because it was a bulky watch, but also a watch meant to be used. So, I mean, uh, yeah. And I, I just did a quick search on Chrono 24 in this uh, 1665. There's 184 listings, right? And the cheapest you get, if we filter low to high, is a 14,000 from Japan. Whereas the most expensive um, ones, so. is a hundred thousand. Yeah, the red ones. The yeah. red ones. So that that also okay. Even if we don't look at the reds, <clears throat> which by the way, it's also funny because there's loads and loads and loads of reds. Yeah. It's um. It's yeah. It's still like yeah. Well, I guess why? Huh? It we're still in the in the thirties and forties. So it also tells you there's like a huge, oh maybe twenty fives. Yeah, twenty now thirties between thirty, so fourteen. So the cheapest is fourteen. Let's say the most expensive uh, non-red is about thirty, which yeah. also tells you there's a lot of space in between. And I guess it's depending on condition, box and papers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, great watch, beautiful choice. All right, hit me with the expected. Yes. So uh, if we bring in a sub, we have to bring in a GMT. <laughs> um 1675 obviously this is um this is i guess it's it's no surprise um mm, what can i say i uh y- you know how much i've i've wanted this watch i talked about this a lot as well um i used to wear this watch a lot now i don't really wear it that often i still do um actually you helped me get this watch which again <clears throat> goes back to the story goes back to the memories and and people involved, and you are not the only one involved. And another, I guess we we can call him friend still, even though we don't sure. really hear from him a lot. But um, another friend was involved in this, uh, and a Breitling, funnily enough. Um, so I just when I was um, in in January, I had to travel to Hungary for a weekend for a friend's birthday, and another friend who lives in in Budapest he wanted to see this watch or he saw the watch but he wanted to wear it for a few weeks and I left the watch there and I said just wear it for a few weeks and this third friend who came to the Sin um, meet up on Friday he brought it back um, so I got it back it was with with this guy for um, about a month and I didn't miss it I didn't miss it miss it you know because I luckily I have a lot of other stuff to wear but I came back and this is the one watch, and that's what I told him, is like every time I don't wear it or it's uh, at service or whatever, whenever I get it back or whenever I take it out of the box, it gives me the same feeling. And not many watches do that. And that's why I think, and it has nothing to do with the fact that it's a Rolex or a GMT or a Pepsi or whatever. It's just the fact that I. it's really something that I've wanted because I think after a while, we just got into buying watches, buying watches, searching, hunting. Okay, now I got it. Poof, it's like a, a trophy on the wall kind of thing and move on to the next one, which is not good. But with this one, it was a bit different. And so every time I pick it up and every time I, I wear it, I, I have the same feeling. And that goes back to Bensheim in 2016 when you gave me the watch in the parking lot. <laughs> I remember that I, I do remember yeah. <clears throat> I do yeah yeah that, that's insane I mean so 
pop quiz. Yeah. And by the way, if I think about you now, this is the watch I think about you with. So, yeah. Yeah. So pop quiz of your three, which is the one? Probably the speedy. Oh, see, I would have, you know, good, good for you on, on going, um, you know, sticking with tradition because I would have just gone over the line on the 1675. Yeah, it's a tough one, but you know, you know what they say, don't think about it. Just say the first thing that yeah. comes to your mind. So Speedy, I have the the longest. Then it's the 215 and the year after that, I bought the GMT, I think 15, 16, 2015, 2016. Speedy, I bought 2012 or something. So that's why I have the longest. Um, yeah, it, it would be a tough one between those two. Um, and of course, financially, the GMT is a better choice, right? But I, that's not what I'm looking at. And when I did the when I did the list, when you told me to write down, the list goes like this: GMT Speedy two fifteen. So the GMT was the first watch that popped to my head. Yeah, B- but I guess I would still. Take yeah, I guess I'm sentimental, right? Like that, right? That's okay. What would be yours? I'd take the call, Trava. Yeah, I think. Which is your which is your your latest purchase of the three? It is, yeah. um, and I think the reason the reason being um, that it felt like an accomplishment. Mm. Um, it felt like an accomplishment in a few ways. I mean, it marked the beginning of something and the end of something in a lot of ways. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it was basically coinciding with leaving Germany and. Um, Okay, I sold a car that I bought because um, <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to take it here, uh, and that partially funded it. So, you know, and buying that car was a bit of an accomplishment. So it sort of paid it forward, but literally. Um, but yeah, I, I never. I'll be honest with you, and it has nothing to no, nothing to say against Rolex. And by the way, nothing to say for Patek because I truly believe if you can afford a Rolex, you can afford a, a Patek, right? Like there are plenty of vintage ones out there for six, seven, eight thousand dollars. But um, I don't know if I ever thought I would own one. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah, it's a milestone piece for sure. Yeah. That's... And it's and it's great, you know. It's great to have those. I mean, I'm I'm still looking for mine for for a number of reasons. That this year is is um <clears throat> is a milestone year for me. Hopefully, better than the last year was. Turn in um, fifty. Turn in fifty. Yeah, well, you will soon, my friend, but not me. <laughs> Sooner than I am gonna be, but uh, yeah, uh, and for other reasons, I guess. So, uh, um, well. I, I hope I can I can get out to to London as I said maybe in April and then we can discuss this in person maybe even in an, in an episode I'd be happy to to go and record another one with you this time maybe at a pub not at a hotel or even with some of the guys like Lawrence we've mentioned or you know any of those guys Dan whoever Dan get them all on that'd be yeah, fun James um yeah. shout out to all those guys you know who you are uh but yeah but um i think it's it's i don't want to be too sentimental as i said but it it, it is about that because sometimes people think oh you're a hoarder you're just buying watches and not selling them and yeah, you're collecting you you're hoarding you can say i guess but i i don't consider myself a hoarder but i guess some people think i am but but don't get it twisted there are Maybe not behind every watch, and and if I look at my watch, sure, yeah, seventy percent, you can just go, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> but there is this twenty five or thirty percent where I'm like, mm, I it was really an accomplishment to get this watch uh, because it was hard to get because I got it at a special place, special time. Because as I said, it connects me to people that are not with me anymore, or or or, or for whatever reason, so. Uh, I guess, um, and we all have those those watches and those other watches. We should we should keep until the the wheels fall off, if they ever <laughs> fall off. Hopefully, they won't. Depending on the make, if it's German, they won't. The whole axis will break, but <laughs> especially if it's a Volkswagen, or so I heard. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> there are like like we said, we didn't include 
family watches. I mean, those are kind of a given. And I've That's a nice, hand, different story, yeah. Yeah, a handful of those, but there are some of these pieces and, and some of these watches I have, I didn't even know the person I was communicating with and maybe it could have been all BS, but some of the communication I had or the story behind it, again, whether it was true or not, but seemed true. Um, I'll, I'll remember those things. And honestly, these are the types of, okay, I, I know you recount some of these things when you write a story and I do as well. So at least they're captured somewhere, but I feel like, yeah, sometimes it's, it's nice to have the history of these things, um, at least as far as you know, or have some, some personality attached to them. Right. Well, and not to mention that not everything that I write, uh, is, you know, that's not the whole story. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are things I leave out from the article just because it doesn't make any sense to put it in, or I'm protecting the the, the the seller, whatever. But I do know those facts, and for example, maybe you do know those facts because I told you about it. And um, back in the day, I I would not buy a watch without um, telling you about that. So you know a lot of those stories, for example. Um, but yeah, but I, I guess at the, it's just like, it's a bit like art, right? Like <clears throat> when somebody writes a diary and then we know these important politicians or people from history because they wrote their diaries. Yeah. We all, we know what they wrote in the diary, but what's the interesting thing is what they left out of that story. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you never know. Fair enough. Well, sir trying to think. I don't think I've got anything else here. Um, oh, I was going to ask you, I don't know if you picked up on a recent article I wrote, but it was announcing this uh, Casiotron that um, was just released the other, well, I guess it's going to go on sale in the next week, but they're going to make 4,000 of these. And it is a I think it's the first digital or the first digital Casio with a calendar. So it's the 50th anniversary of yep. the original Casiotron. Yeah. And <clears throat> it was interesting. This watch got a little bit of flack for being 499 euros, but I got to say, I'm kind of in love with it. I'm kind of not. Really? Yeah. I mm. like it because it's simple. Um, it looks a bit like the Tissot PRX. Yeah, it does. Um, obviously, it's got more functionality. Sure. Um, some people say, well, I'd go Tiso because the finishing is probably going to be better. But this Casio is, let me just go down to the thing. It's 39.1 by 42.7. So would fit me very well, right? That great size. Yeah, absolutely. Great and size. I dig sort of like the navy blue dial that you know, has the solar cells under it. So I don't know. I'm thinking about one of these. Well, let's just say that if, if the house on fire, this is not the watch that I'm grabbing. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and quite, uh, quite openly, if I do buy one, I don't know how much wrist time it'll get, but I dig it. I think it's no. cool. It's not a bad looking watch at all. Uh, I, I mean, Casio, I think for me, it's, it's, it's mostly G-Shock and the, the square G-Shock. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I guess, as I said, it, it's kind of PRX-ish, but I, I understand the, the, the notion behind it and I understand the idea. It's just um, I have too many watches that I don't wear. I don't need another one that I'm not going to wear. Yeah, I, I, I probably won't end up doing it, but, the, but I'm tempted. And I think that <clears throat> I made the point in here, like I, I bought a, you know, like a sort of a, lot of watches like i don't know five or six watches in the box i was going after one thing and some other crap came with it and this was years ago and i held on to these things and i've got like a a 70s seiko digital watch with the tag still on it but like the display is all rotted yeah Mm -hmm. which is really a shame i mean this thing never had a chance to to do anything and i guess maybe i could go out and find something but i don't know um this watch looks damn near exactly the same as the original. There are a couple little changes, but it's pretty close. And I, I think in this day and age of reissues getting a little bit tiring, um, 
digital is where I 100% support it because I think that the love for old electronic components is probably not to the same level as old mechanical movements, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That just scares the heck out of me buying an old LCD watch, but um, this at least would run forever. And the fact that it's solar makes it pretty, pretty bomb proof. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. True. True. Um, Okay. You don't have to love it, buddy. <laughs> well, I I don't hate it. Let's just put it this way. Yeah, but you're more of a G Shock guy. I get it. I yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Okay, bye. <laughs> it's time to wrap this one up, Mike. Could be. Get back yeah. to your beer. Yeah, I do need a beer tonight. Mm. All right. Well, sir, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We saved three watches each from the uh, the Inferno, and um, yeah. And with that, Mike is out. Paul is out as well. 